Ready to rock and or roll? Yeah. Rock and roll, more like Jock and Joel. It's the Get Outside the Box set. <laughs> Get outside my terrible brain. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> How awful. We need to stop doing this show this second. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like when uh, when Rachel and I say the exact same phrase to each other at the exact same time. It's like, well, now we got to get divorced. Yeah, the exact same awful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. I've seen you two do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally the dumbest thing that could po- possibly be said, and we both say it at the same time uh, yeah. with massive shit-eating grins. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a podcast about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. And episode two, this episode is. Two. Yoda, I am. Apparently. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Very relevant to, to Billy Joel, yes. Yeah, this is we're covering Billy Joel. It was Nathan's idea. Um, be and I agreed because we're trying to we're trying to heal the world and right now i think everyone can can agree the biggest rift is between boomers and millennials yeah it's true and i think we can we can get behind we can fight this battle uh on the discography of yeah william joel truly the biggest issue facing our society and our culture is uh the the boomers bland awful music (laughs) Uh, and and uh, and, uh, and then, w- maybe you would say the bright bright diamond in the rough, which is the music of William Joel. Potentially, we're, that's what you want to yeah, be true. Yeah, that's what we want. We're seeing some glimmerings on this album. I'd say, absolutely. Yeah. There's some really lovely moments, and mm-hmm. then there's some like underwhelming. Yeah, most of it. Most of the second <laughs> half is just like a real snooze fest. Yeah, I mean, this is the the age of the literal B side. Yeah, well, usually people don't treat an entire LP side as a B side. <laughs> I don't think that's quite what that term means or meant. Isn't back that then. what that means? <laughs> no, isn't that what that means? No, that comes from singles. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you like the, the okay, that makes sense. For yeah. instance, like the Beatles would release like I don't know, "Lovely Rita" as like the A side, and then there would be like a lesser song as the B side of the single. Yeah, but don't you feel like there's an element of that that applies to lps on some lps it definitely does seem like they were like let's put all the strongest stuff on the first half i mean it's like roots by curtis mayfield or you know great albums like that that's not true but like Mm -hmm. you know on this one i think that's definitely true yeah (laughs) it it hits a lot harder in the first half yep it does although the climax of the first half ballad of billy (laughs) billy the kid are you killing me yeah the climax of the first half is is not great the ballad of billy the kid which is like kind of a piano pop sort of prog rock tale about uh not only the famous outlaw billy the kid but also some random bartender that billy joel knew who's also named billy the three billies unless you and unless you do the research uh presumably you know billy joel himself yeah exactly it seems like billy joel is just talking about himself in the third person it's a real to that (laughs) um but this is this is not um his breakout album really 
which I mean, it kind of is, but it's not, it's not the one that makes him a superstar. Like, I think it's, it's the one that, that makes him able to earn a living as a musician. Sure. Um, but you know, cause the first one was pretty poorly received, did not sell well. And, yes. um, he, he had been, tra- there's this weird story about how he was like trapped in this contract with the label family productions that was, who released his first album. <laughs> And he was like contractually obligated to release his new music with them also. And uh, so Billy Joel was like, I don't want this fucking contract. So he runs away to Los Angeles uh, for a couple (laughs) years while he had Columbia Records, like essentially negotiate with that uh, first label family productions and buy him out of his contract so he could make this with Columbia. Interesting. Yeah. During which time they wanted him. They did. They did. They wanted him. Um, well, because of uh, he he played the song Captain Jack live on a Philadelphia radio station, and and that live version of that song was like becoming an East Coast hit. So interesting. Columbia's like, oh shit, this guy's going places. Let's hitch him to our wagon. Um, and actually, the all that stuff is like, yeah, whatever, not that interesting. But the most interesting part of that is uh, the song Piano Man is based on Billy Joel's Pianoman. the Pianoman uh, is based on his own experiences um, before being recording a being a Pianoman at a bar. Like when he was hiding, he was hiding out laying low waiting for his contract and like legal shit to um, like work itself out. And like he was slowly getting popularity with this like live single. Um, but during which time he had to make money, he was completely broke. So he went to this like shitty piano bar in LA and started playing gigs as uh, Bill Martin, I think. Because <laughs> he couldn't use his like more well known name. But it's, it's like this really weird thing where he's like famous enough that he can't perform under his own name. And also, he doesn't want to attract the attention of like the lawyers for his record label that he's trying to get released from. Uh, so he has to like perform under the stage name and then nobody knows who he is because he's not quite famous enough to be like recognized. Um, and apparently the song, the piano man ha- has a bunch of characters in it that are based on real people that he knew from that shitty bar. A, a real real estate novelist. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually existed. Apparently that's what Wikipedia says. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that story is like kind of sweet. Um, like, I don't know. I think there is, there's something sort of like this. I mean, it's not exactly nostalgia uh, in piano man, but it's, it's this sort of like wallowing. What? Wistfulness. It's wistful. Yeah. Yeah. It, there, there's this like, kind of like, I don't know. We're just going to like sit in our own kind of like sadness and, it's not, I think that story is kind of nice because he's in kind of a dark place too. And he is like ultimately one of the patrons of the bar that he's playing piano too. Yeah. Like he's also like kind of directionless and like, uh, you know, treading water and just trying to stay afloat. And they're all I down. Know, I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, let's see anything else. I mean, it, it almost seems like we, we should just jump right into the songs. Yeah. Let's fucking hear some banjo playing. Yeah. Hey, I'll take a look on around tonight and find where my baby is gonna be. 
mumble, mumble, mumble. <laughs> it's louder. Hey, Lord, would you look out for her tonight? Cause she is far across the sea. Hey, Lord, would you look out for her tonight and make sure that she's gonna be alright and things are gonna be alright with me. Man, that bassist is like running the show. Yeah, I think that I think that bass is kind of fucks. <laughs> like when it starts when it starts off, it's just like don't do 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 do. I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. And then the piano kicks in, and it's like, ooh, like kind of like extended chords, like over this like you know train train beat on the drums, and then this like country bass line. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Mm-hmm. And then in that last little section where it goes down, like it goes around the circle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is actually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And all the while, Billy Joel is like in full Billy Joel mode uh, in terms of his vocals. <laughs> like, this is the Billy Joel we know. Is it? And, uh, I mean, it feels more mumbly than he usually is. Maybe, but it's just like a, it's just such a weird affectation in his voice. And like, I don't know. I kind of think it all kind of congeals together into, into something that's like kind of special. It's yeah. It's, it's kind of a, an odd mixture of ingredients, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Will, Will you play the, the sound sample of the bassist that I took? Yeah. Hey, Lord, would you look out for her tonight and make sure that she's going to be all right and things are going to be all right with me. That's like the chromatic yeah. part. And it goes higher than you think it will. Like, there's a point where yeah. you think it's going to, like, come back down, but then he just keeps going higher. Yeah, I think it specifically goes one more chord around than I think it's going to be. Yeah. Cool stuff. I like that. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah. Lyric- I'm not crazy about these lyrics. Yeah, lyrically, it's pretty generic hey lord take a look all around and i define where my baby's gonna be hey lord would you look out for her tonight because she is far across the sea hey lord would you look out for her tonight and make sure she's gonna be all right and things are gonna be all right with me now what offends me about this about these lyrics is that he's just so he's just so casual and uh, irreverent with the lord and you know he's not burning any incense (laughs) he's not sacrificing a calf and mm-hmm. you know i just don't really appreciate that as a religious there's no man burnt myself. offerings uh yeah no blood offerings nothing you know yeah he's just hey hey lord yeah he's using all these contractions with the lord yeah i defined where my baby's gonna be oh <sighs> gonna the k- king james gonna hates the contractions lord. and so does god <laughs> <laughs> this one time uh i was in this uh, uh coffee shop in hillsboro and uh, i was having a religious conversation with a stranger and i was and that i, and I said fun. yeah <laughs> uh, it's not a thing i do anymore um but i said uh so like yeah like, i feel like the, the the character of god in the in the bible is like kind of a dick though right <laughs> which <laughs> If you read it, I mean, read it and say that he's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially like Job or something. Right. Yeah. It's like that's his like one of his defining characteristics is that he's a big old stinker. Um, yeah. He's, he's anyway, a real Bugs Bunny character. <laughs> Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, Job? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what's up, Job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's up job um he 
this guy I was talking to was like, Hey, careful. Like he was like, huh? <laughs> like legitimately concerned that God was listening and heard that I called him a dick. <laughs> God would strike you down for <laughs> talking about the character yeah. of God in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what he's doing throughout this entire song. Um, he, yeah, it's, he absolutely is. It's pretty generic. Just kind of like, Hey, uh, I, either I or she are traveling and, uh, how about you take care of us? God, huh? Yeah. I mean, it is kind of a, it is kind of a specific song. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's generic. It just doesn't have anything to say of substance within that premise. Hmm. Are you saying the premise is like fairly specific? Yeah. I mean, it is just like, okay, it's like a prayer song and it's specifically about a prayer about someone who's overseas. Yeah. Um, and like, it's a romantic relationship and like, there's some specific specificity there. Well, sort of. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, it reminds me of like the, uh, well, it's, it's structured in a way of like giving generalized specifics almost of like this situation is not (laughs) actually happening, but look out for her tonight and make sure that all her dreams are sweet. Would you guide her on the roads and make them softer for her feet? It's, it's essentially like the Irish prayer of like, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be at your back, that kind of thing where it's like, it's not specific to anything that's actually happening or one situation. It's kind of like, talking about specifics in this very generalized way of like i hope things go well for you and here's an example of how it might go well if your dreams were sweet right it would be a much better song if like i don't know if if the specifics that he was praying for were like creative it would be more romantic if it was yeah Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, there's this, my, my dear friends in, in the, that sort of straddle the line between the old time c- community and the like contra dance community, which is like a, a sort of parallel, um, dance and music, fiddle, fiddle music, uh, culture in the States and in Canada. Um, they have this band Countercurrent, and, um, they have this song that they sing, uh, to Mitch McConnell. Um, hmm. and it's, it's a curse song in, in an Irish tr- tradition. Um, and it has all of these hyper specific curses that are like very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like hope every step you take is like, there's a, a Lego beneath your feet, <laughs> your bare feet and th- you know, like things, things like that. And it's just like, just like, um, yeah, v- very venomous. Uh, it's it's sort of the opposite of this song in that it's a curse, and it's also the opposite of the song in that it's um, I wish all of these terrible things to happen to you mm-hmm. um, that are ultimately very funny. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll find a link to that so people can check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Yeah, exactly. I hope he gets. Fu- he better be voted out. This oh my fall. god! Isn't he? Isn't he up for? I think he is. Yeah. Isn't that a possibility? Ah, oh, he's the worst. Uh, what did he say? He said he said um, that we made Obama president to atone the sin of slavery. Oh my god! <laughs> he like just said that like today. Yeah. <laughs> he's so terrible. He's the worst. Like, has, is there yeah. anyone who's done more damage in America in the last like ten years than Mitch motherfucking McConnell? 
it's really hard to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute heel. Mm-hmm. And not in that like fun wrestling way either. No. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> um, okay. Uh, well, hmm? banjo let's listen to some banjo there are wide panned you won't be able to hear it in the podcast because we do it in mono but there are wide panned banjo rolls and piano rolls and it it's a pretty cool sound Mm. i think Mm -hmm. i think it's really fun Ooh, interesting you want to play that yeah Yeah, that's really interesting the way it's panned. Um, if people want to go and yeah. like check it out on Spotify, it, the the banjo where the bass is hard panned to the left, piano seems to be right in the center, and then hard panned to the right is the banjo, but there's kind of like an echo of the banjo in the left too. It's really interesting. The the thing that I think is the most texturally interesting is the the interplay between the um train beat with the brushed uh, snare drum um and the piano playing rolls and the banjo playing rolls mm-hmm. so um a banjo roll for those of you who are unfamiliar um, is a th- yeah, mm, mm, <laughs> sweet hot <laughs> sticky banjo rolls. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um it's uh <laughs> It's uh, a three-fingered banjo technique where you ha- usually you have on metal picks on your thumb, index, and middle finger, and you play um, extended hemiolas most of the time. Like, that's the main texture. And a hemiola is when you're in one time signature, but you're playing groupings of usually usually eighth notes in the context of bluegrass music or sixteenths, depending on how you count it. Um, you're playing groupings of three in the in uh in a four four uh, time signature for instance Mm -hmm. so um there's this tension this rhythmic tension where uh the groupings of three don't line up with the four and then eventually uh you have to round it off with a grouping of two or grouping of four Mm -hmm. um, depending on where how many groupings of three you throw in so it's sort of this like improvised simple arithmetic problem that happens at a super fast speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, the banjo is, you know, changing the chord underneath and it's going up and down, uh, doing forward and backward rolls. Um, and then it throw, you know, to round it off, it might do a pinch like a dung ching, um, where it'll do a grouping of two. So that's like the main kind of function of the banjo in bluegrass music, um, is, uh, this, yeah, extremely rhythmically tense, uh, sound that doesn't line up with all the other instruments that are ultimately going like boom, chuck, boom, chuck, boom, chuck in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and having this very square rhythm. So th- what I think is interesting about this song is that the snare is going and has this very square rhythm. That's also playing the same uh, speed of uh the same density of notes it's all eighth notes the banjo is doing that same density of notes but with all of these um uh syncopations it's not the most syncopated bluegrass banjo mm-hmm. style that you could hear but it's you know it's still bluegrass banjo mm-hmm. and then the piano is also playing um a similar texture to the bluegrass banjo but it's not 
necessarily um, subdividing in the same groupings of three and and then rounding off at the same point. Um, so there's this like there's just like it's a re- it's super tight. But there's a lot of tension between those three voices, um, especially when it's like panned the way it is. And you'll have to you all have to go like listen to the actual recording. But I think it's like a really cool sound and it's pulled off really masterfully. And on top of it all, I do not believe they are playing to a click track. It uh, It's really accurately played, but in a way that feels very organic. Do you want to play that one more time? Yeah, so sure. Folks can listen for the subdivisions of the piano line Um and the banjo rolls and how those are um, in tension with the very square. I don't mean in the cool sense. I just mean in the like groupings of two on the snare. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, and all at a, like a pretty, pretty fast tempo. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I I I kind of want to hear that band do a whole Billy Joel album. <laughs> like I wish the rest of these songs were that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the next song? Yeah, good. This one is called uh, "Piano Piano Person." I think I don't know. It's a pretty obscure yeah. song. I don't think anyone's heard of it. Uh, but let's listen yeah. to it anyway. When I wore a younger man's So I really, really tried to approach this song with an open mind as if I were hearing it for the first time. Um, And indeed, it's probably, I mean, it's got to be the first time I've like listened to it with any kind of intentionality and paid close attention to it um, because it's always kind of been the like the song that every like DJ puts on to do a slow song or to like make boomers uh, emotionally well up <laughs> or it's just, you know, freaking background music everywhere. You know that too. Yes. It's uh, it's remarkable. It, 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 it like, I don't know. It's just like, I guess because of that, like wistful tone, it makes for like elevator music, like easy listening situations. It just slots Even right in. Bill, Billy Joel says about it. I have no idea why that song became so popular. It's like a karaoke favorite. The melody is not very good yep. and very repetitious. Yes. While the lyrics are like limericks. I was shocked and embarrassed when it became a hit. Yeah. But <laughs> my songs are like my kids. And I look at that song and think my, my kid did pretty well. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, which I think is like a, a pretty hilarious, like <laughs> just sort of publicly say like, oh, and by the way, this is how I think about my kids. Too. Yeah, like I think some of my kids are shitty and embarrass me. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> why some of my kids are successful in any way. <laughs> yeah, they're dumb and I hate them and they like talking limericks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh. I mean, it's it's basically the same melody in the verse and the chorus, right? 
um yeah it is yeah and like the the pre-chorus is la dee dee da dee dee da which is like okay i mean whatever um right yeah it's it all kind of sounds like pachelbel's canon kind of yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that's why it got so you know, popular there's... people love pachelbel's canon <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's designed to be pretty comfortable even even when uh it ventures outside of the key signature it immediately resolves yeah you know and it has this sort of lilting waltz feel to it that does nothing to try to uh, (laughs) try to subvert the the comfort of waltzing yeah so um yeah it's 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 like uh what's the word what's the adjective i'm looking for it is like wholeheartedly middle brow um okay let's let's talk about this i (laughs) i just found out uh that um or i just received a lead at least i don't know conclusively look in the learning links to see if if there's something here but i just the term uh highbrow middle brow low brow etc um that comes from like race science and skull measuring you're fucking kidding me uh, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised considering it's like a reference to a physical characteristic. Yes. Oh, fuck. So I need, I need to look into that, but just public service announcement, uh, check the learning links. I, if I, if I don't find anything, then, uh, I won't put anything there, but there might be, I'm going to look for an article about it and see if that's, if there's, if that holds water. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. But, um, which, oh, also is super racist. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, oh shit. Do not search highbrow racist because you get a website called beyond highbrow, um, on which there is a, an article saying the truth is racist. Um, and the first the truth is racist. Yeah. The first <laughs> sentence of it is black people are less intelligent than whites as measured accurately by IQ tests right so fuck that (laughs) um okay so leaving aside problematic terminology it is aggressively like middle road culture um uh it's yeah it's it's uh hmm. but not not, (laughs) nathan Nathan can't talk (laughs) well it's just it's the it's that the 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 phrase like highbrow and lowbrow like very specifically referred to like amounts of like prestige or quote unquote artisticness or you know like that aspect of culture whereas if you say it's like middle of the road it's it's sort of a different thing it's it's become a very useful phrase and like an idea cliche like uh that has is dense with meaning you know yeah and it sucks to not be able to use that kind of thing because uh whoever came up with it originally sucked so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um anyway so it's and it's 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 something i've been thinking about lately how much i enjoy like uh middle prestige things um sure give us give some examples like the like um mission impossible movies are kind of this way like they're they are appreciated to cert to a certain degree like from some high prestige places or for some of their like artistry or craft. But I think a lot of the enjoyment of these is like pretty middle of the road. Um, Mm. sort of similarly, uh, Mad Max, the furious road. Um, although that one I think has like a little bit more prestige attached to it. I mean, didn't it win an Oscar? I don't know. At least one. 
I don't know. Sounds pretty prestigious to me. It does. Um, anyway, so I know what you mean though. It's like in between like, you know, uh, you know, Rashomon and then like GI Joe, mm-hmm. uh, rise of Cobra or whatever. Like there's a lot of stuff in the middle. That's enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot like, I think, I think they mentioned this on the blank check podcast, actually, how the kind of middle, if, if you want to put it in class terms, the kind of like middle class part of the culture has, is kind of like fallen out. Uh, especially in it, when it comes to movies, there's like the okay. big blockbusters, like the superhero movies that are for everyone. And then there's like pretty niche indie artistic movies. You don't get like sort of middle of the road, like thrillers anymore, which is you had so many of those in the nineties, you know? Right. Like, um, like ace or I think they've said similar things about like uh, romantic comedies. Oh yeah. Like yeah, they, they, they are basically those are just only on Netflix anymore. Yeah, They're they're Yeah. They're essentially dead except as like pretty niche, like small things. Like you don't have a, a uh, romantic comedy that makes, makes like a hundred million dollars or $200 million anymore. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Meg Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Rachel, I just watched Joe versus the volcano, which has Meg Ryan playing. I've never seen that. Meg Ryan plays three parts in it and she is so funny. She's that's really three parts. Yeah. She plays three different people. <laughs> Two of them are sisters. How bizarre. It's a pretty weird movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say that I, I, I looked up highbrow and lowbrow in the online etymology dictionary. Um, it they it seems like highbrow was the first of the of the three and then lowbrow was coined in uh opposition to it and it doesn't specifically seem to be uh specifically racist it's like it it just seems kind of like part of the like uh milieu of the time where physical characteristics were seen as indicating like character qualities um, like it says on etymology online, a lowbrow on a man as a sign of primitive qualities was common in 19th century fiction, but on a woman, it was considered a mark of classical beauty. Yeah. So it doesn't, at least from this one source, it doesn't seem to be specifically about race. Although I'm sure, uh, people used it that way all the time back then. Right. Hmm. Um, but there may be other sources, that uh yeah, say otherwise jury's out yeah um but anyway all, all that to say like this song is um the most aggressive version of that <laughs> of like the the middle the middle way the middle of the road um but it's so far into that that it becomes kind of cloying and <laughs> i don't know it's, it's like i kind of hate it for that <laughs> like i'm just talking about how much I, I enjoy those things especially in like movies and stuff uh, but I, <laughs> I kind of hate how like omnipresent this song was and just like how bland it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. There's some like piano. I think I enjoy the piano playing in general. Um, but other than that, I, yeah, I don't, there's not much there for me. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, cause like, 
I think we've maybe said this in the last episode, but we don't we don't cover that many artists on the show that specifically are instrumentalists. Yes, yeah, um, and and like this might be the first like specifically you know like a piano player like who his voice is as much at the piano as it is in his in his throat, you know. So like they're equal kind of parts in his music for the most part, except for those songs that don't have piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that element of the song, but other than that, it's like, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's like apparently real people in here, but I'm not terribly interested in the writing. Now, John at the bar is a friend of mine. He gets me my drinks for free and he's quick with a joke or to light up your smoke, but there's some place he'd rather be. Sure. But, sure. Okay. I mean, that's most bars probably are full of people who would kind of rather be elsewhere if they could. Right. I, is this in a pre-Cheers world? I believe so. Yeah, because this came out in 73. I don't think Cheers Ooh. started until, what, the er, late 70s, if not early 80s? Now, that's some good pianism right there in that theme. Mm. I love that theme song. That song. <laughs> At least the yeah. piano playing. Yeah. yeah. That song fucking slaps. Um, and when the Ice King sings it in Adventure Time is heartbreaking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it started in uh, 82, so 10 years after this song is when Cheers started. Interesting. Well, we should we should press on, shouldn't we? Yeah, should we, we should. we talk about Ain't No Crime Ain't for a second? Ain't No <laughs> Crime. Sleeping starts in the weeping by the hours you've been keeping And you better get your ass out the door Billy Joel is most interesting when he's writing in a character voice. Um, most of the time with, with some exceptions. And I feel like this is his, uh, one of his early stabs at a character voice. Um, yes. Of just kind of a shithead. Who's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> whose who's defense, um, against his partner, uh, not liking that this person is like going out and getting drunk and pa- literally passing out on the floor. Uh, his defense is, "Hey, it's not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not breaking any laws. I'm not breaking any laws. I'm doing the bare minimum." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, it's. I think Billy Joel has some interest. Well. I don't know if I'm just reading into this, but it seems like Billy Joel has some interesting feelings about this guy where he's like, he's a little bit like kind of charmed by the audacity of this character being like, ain't no crime. But he's also like kind of doesn't, he kind of like is not, it's, it's a little bit satirical. It's a little bit like pointed. I'd say also. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This song kind of reminds me of, um, Return of Bruno or whatever that some songs, yeah, yeah, and and maybe a little bit like uh, the content of the lyrics. I don't know. <laughs> there, there, it, there he is. <laughs> Bruno returned uh, again. The re-return so of Bruno. For him to have sex in that song. <laughs> uh, Ha, ha, ha.
uh, that's, that album is more fun than this album it really is <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh, um, i don't have anything else to say about this song do you no not really i mean i don't uh, know if we synopsize it too much there's not a lot going on except yeah the like personal conflict uh yeah let's talk about you're my home the fourth song so wild lyrics in this one never be a stranger and i'll never be alone forever we're together that's my home home can be the pennsylvania turnpike indiana's early morning um so this Does it sound like a John Denver song or something to you? It kind of is. Yeah. Um it, it definitely sounds like one. I Cameron, you might you might be surprised at hearing this. I like this song. I think it's really sweet. Um, oh, interesting. It's a little bit sentimental, but I feel like it mostly earns that. It has a few pretty notable lyrical missteps. Uh, <laughs> that we'll get to i'm sure uh but i feel like the 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 emotion it's expressing is is pretty sweet and heartfelt and i read that he wrote it to his wife on valentine's day because he was too broke to buy her a present so this was his yeah. present to her um yeah so I, I i like that part of it too i mean i i i was liking i had heard the song and liked it before hearing that story about it um but it, i was just like oh okay yeah, sort of confirmed. Well, long-time listeners of the show will will understand that Nathan, for all his cynicism and for all of his hate of nostalgia and things that are sweet, he is a romantic. Am I made of stone, wants. Cameron? <laughs> is my heart a cold block of ice? No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just, it's only mostly ice. It's only most. Even the hardest hearted of us have to, to weep sometimes for William Joel. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be written on my tombstone. You can you can count on it. Now, Nathan, are you sure you don't want to have something on your tombstone about the crazy gypsy in your soul? <laughs> Man, people just loved casual gypsy racism. Uh, well, I was going to say in the 60s and 70s, but always people are still saying that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, um, that is I, indeed. I, I was looking up uh, the word. Oh, I think it's in... In the genius, when you when you click on it, um, it says "gypsy" is an exonym for Romani people, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know what an exonym what exonym is." And apparently, it means a word that usually it's about places. It's a word that foreigners use to describe a local place, mm-hmm. yeah. And the locals do not call it that. Yeah, ex or ex like meaning out of, right? Yeah. So, like, I guess, like saying China would be like an exonym or germany because like or germany yeah yeah um yeah so that that is in the opening lines when you look into my eyes and you see the crazy gypsy in my soul just not great especially saying crazy gypsy that is yeah (laughs) oh boy not great uh it always comes as a surprise when i feel my withered roots begin to grow well i never had a place that i could call my very own that's all right my love because you're my home yeah um 
uh it there's a it gets a little weird in the second verse when you touch my weary head and you tell me everything will be all right you say quote use my body for your bed and my love will keep you warm throughout the night unquote (laughs) it sounds like an alien yeah (laughs) like a tauntaun (laughs) yeah i thought you smelled bad on the outside (laughs) that's what he said to his wife on valentine's day (laughs) That you're my home, my literal home. <laughs> I sleep in you. <laughs> yeah, you look. You kind of look like tater tots inside. <laughs> Do you ever think that, like, <laughs> taunt the inside, the guts of tauntauns look like the inside of tater tots? Uh, all tater tots. <laughs> yeah, they're just big hairy tater tots. The tater tot beasts of hot. <laughs> exactly. Um, shit. Um, I think the strangest lyric though yeah even even more strange than the casual gypsy racism is uh-huh. in this one sound sample i took for this song if you mm-hmm. want to play that i can't wait there it is here we go and good walls all around you're my castle you're my cabin and my instant pleasure dome i need you in my house because you're my home what Cameron? What is the? That's that's specifically a reference to Coleridge, right? To what? The the poem Kublai Khan. Uh, or is it is it called Xanadu? I'm only familiar with the the person <laughs> Kublai Khan. Oh, it is called Kublai Khan. Okay, yeah, Coleridge in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree? Are the opening lines of the poem Kublai Khan? Huh. Where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. It's pretty. So I did not get that reference. Oh. But why is he saying instant pleasure dome? I have no clue. <laughs> I don't I don't know why either. Well, either of those words are in there. Every Everyone knows that you have to establish a pleasure dome, and it's not instant. It takes hard work, and that's the main reason why I think that lyric is silly. Pleasure dome wasn't raised in a day. <laughs> mm. That sunny um, dome, those caves of ice. Well... Should we talk about Billy the Kid? Do you have anything else to say about that song? Um, I just I kind of like how he deepens the uh, the metaphor. Um, you're my home is basically the idea, and he kind of like uh, deepens it in the bridge. I think you heard part of home can be the t- Pennsylvania Turnpike, Indiana's early morning dew, high up in the hills of California. Sure. Home is just another word for you. Well, I never had a place that I could call my very own. That's all right, my love, because you're my home. That's have you? That's effective. I like that. Having been on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and just it it adds extra weight to that lyric because it's like it's not great. It sucks. It does suck. Yeah. And like if you're saying like I'm happy on the Pennsylvania Turnpike if I'm with you, that means something. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when we when we got off the Pennsylvania turnpike at like midnight, cause we wanted to save money on tolls. And then we ended up getting to the new house in the ne- city. We'd never been to before that we were moving to. We got there at like yes. three in the morning. Great ideas all around. Good idea. Yeah. Let's save $15 <laughs> yeah. and, uh, go out of our way by like three hours and cost ourselves, uh, much more hey, existentially that was a lot of money back then. That, well, <laughs> you're right. That is true. <laughs> our person, the inflation in our personal lives. <laughs> 
that is a good point yeah. <laughs> uh yeah well um let's go on to this b-side huh oh boy yeah um i oh, guess no, so we, we got to talk about billy the kid first yeah well that's kind of a, a b-side in spirit and his age and his size took the teller by surprise and the word spread of billy the kid this is kind of a prog rock song yeah it sounds a little bit like i don't know something what's that prog rock band that you rush rush it, that you love it does sound kind of rushy yeah yeah <laughs> Um, it's not uh, the longest song it? on this album, though. For some inexplicable no. reason, Captain Jack is seven minutes and 17 seconds long. Yeah, it does not need to be that long. No. Um, yeah, but this is about Billy the Kid, and it's some of the most boring uh, writing about Billy the Kid. Yeah. From a town known as Wheeling, West Virginia, rode a boy with a six-gun in his hand, and his daring life of crime made him a legend in his time east and west of the Rio Grande yawn yeah it doesn't like talking about (laughs) i mean he has like a specific story at some time but the rest of it is like the second verse is he started with a bank in colorado in the pocket of his vest a colt he hid and his age and his size took the seller (laughs) teller by surprise and the word spread of billy the kid but the rest of it is just like very uh non-specific non-placed um sort of retrospective writing well he never traveled heavy yes he always rode alone and he soon put many other guns to shame it's like i would much rather you be actually telling me a story yes and then it and then it ends from a town known as oyster bay long island rode a boy with a six-pack in his hand (laughs) and Uh, billy joel is from oyster bay and his daring life of crime made him a legend in his time east and west of the rio grande um so yeah, apparently that's about, he is quoted saying that was actually written about a bartender, not me. There was a guy named Billy who was the bartender in a bar right up here in Oyster Bay, Long Island, New York. But why is the song about him? No one knows about him. I guess they do now, but even after this song came out, no one knew it was about him. So I don't know why. Uh, yeah. What is, it the doesn't sound point? like an actually like very good tribute to me. Yeah. What is the point of it? yeah it's it's hard to say yeah um there, you had a uh, oh, oh i have a, I have a sound sample playing. i have a oh, sound you sample. have a sound I sample do, from the intro wow uh this oh, one is it wood blocks yes uh it is wood blocks because wood blocks means cowboys <laughs> it says it's titled you're fucking kidding me <laughs> That is so hack. <laughs> it's straight out of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Three Amigos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. um, but you have a sound sample too, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, he does, it's, not a, it's not an improvised piano solo, but it's kind of a nice piano moment if you want to play that. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. some like I don't know. Yeah. What nice little piano playing from from Billy. Not bad. A little break from this tiresome song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh, can we? Can we just skip to Captain Jack? Is that what you're about to ask? Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to say. I have to go pretty soon, and nothing else is worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rest of it is like, yeah, it's pretty much filler. But uh, Captain Jack is the song that essentially made Billy Joel's career, or at least kickstarted it, uh, when a live version was played uh, from Philadelphia. And uh, this is the version he recorded on the album. Magazine and you smile. This is also kind of in a character voice, um, sort of. Uh, it, and I, I like kind of like some of the tension that Billy Joel is cultivating. Um, <clears throat> because the the, ver- the chorus is like kind of triumphant, like Captain Jack will get you high tonight and take you to your special island. Captain Jack will get you by tonight. Just a little push and you'll be smiling. Uh, smiling to rhyme with island. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like this bombastic triumphant thing, but he is just like snarling these vocals to the extent that he can snarl uh, smooth voice, Billy Bass. Um, but he, he's Billy <laughs> Bass. <laughs> That's what I'm calling him from no, now you, on. It's his new nickname. Okay. You're really getting me this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's, um, he's putting the lie to those lyrics because he he's clearly not seeing captain Jack as a positive thing. It's kind of a description of just, um, people sunk in despair who turn to, uh, drugs basically. Um, yeah, he has this quote where he says, what's so horrible about an affluent young white teenager's life that he's got to shoot heroin. It's really a song about what I consider to be a pathetic loser kind of lifestyle. I've been accused of, oh, this song promotes drug use and masturbation. No, no, no. Listen to the song. This guy is a loser. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of... Which I... No, go ahead. I was going to say, it does, that doesn't necessarily like age super well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh i mean especially like after like the war on drugs um really kicks off in a, in a little bit here after this album yeah uh but um i wonder when he yeah, said it's, that like, it's very judgmental yeah and it's like well did it occur to you that maybe like white suburban uh life is actually pretty harmful a lot of the times and like it might be an issue of the culture yeah and that even though and that like maybe like privilege uh, isn't actually a cure for like uh the 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 reasons that someone would turn to drugs yeah maybe exactly yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't like it doesn't just solve all problems to be like if white from an affluent suburb you might be closeted and not allowed to express yourself, for instance, or you might have yeah. untreated mental health issues that you can't speak up about because you yeah. would get like punished somehow. Um, or, or even, even without any other like intersecting, you know, marginalizations, like 
being white and suburban and like divorced from any sort of like richer cultural context and being uh, isolated and alone mm-hmm. um, and not knowing your neighbors truly and like yeah. not having rites of passage and like all of these other things that are like uh, stolen from people when whiteness is um, uh, gifted to them <laughs> when they are privileged with gifted. whiteness. It's a yeah. terrible bargain really. Yeah. Um, uh, just to clarify, I believe the white privilege exists, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, I yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm saying it's I I do not think that more people that the answer is everyone needs to be given all of the same uh, sort of opportunities for the same kind of living like situations that life. That, that white privilege often goes hand in hand with um, that. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, yeah, I mean, I think that it, I think that it makes sense why affluent white young teenagers would g- shoot heroin, even if they are not closeted or like having mental health issues or et cetera. Like I yeah. think, uh, yeah, <laughs> especially in like America, like there's something just yes. like so sick and rotten about our society in so many ways yes um so i'm trying to say yep so th- this song reminds me a little bit of the song heroes by david bowie um we could be heroes we could be heroes i think the thing that a lot of people miss about that song and what most covers miss about that song is it's not it's not like a romantic song Right. David Bowie is losing his mind in that song. He's like, it's a desperate, it's, it's a scream of like despair, basically. Like this is his like last ditch. Just like, maybe we can make this happen. Like just just trying to grasp for anything. And you can hear him just like melting down as the song progresses. Um, and most people just treat it as like kind of about like, Oh, isn't it romantic? We can be heroes. It's like, that's not what that song's about. Um, and I kind of feel yeah. that way about, about this chorus where it seems like it's this triumphant thing, but the way he's singing it and the way the rest of the song is constructed, it's like, no, no, no. It's kind of the opposite of that. It, I think it is worth mentioning, um, to zero in on one lyric, um, the verse three, your sister's gone out, she's on a date, and you just sit at home and masturbate. Mm-hmm. Uh, your phone is going to ring soon, but you just can't wait for that call. Um, I think it's really interesting that a song in this era uses the word masturbate. Yeah, in 1973. That's probably, like, I was thinking that too. It's like, that's probably, like, I don't know, like, if they had parental advisory stickers in that time, would he have gotten one, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, especially that since this song was like on the radio, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a very sort of like intimate, like sexual act to have explicitly mentioned and portrayed in a song. Um, yeah. To the extent that I was just like, oh, wow, there's masturbation in the song. Like we're made to picture a young man masturbating. Like that's like noteworthy. Mm-hmm. I only know of like, I don't know three songs that like explicitly uh, use the word masturbate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this song. There's that one green day song I mm-hmm. think uses the word. And then a Sufjan song from Carrie and Lowell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's all I could think of, you know, but it's like, it's not very common. Yeah. Cause it's, it's kind of an odd thing where it's, it's sort of the clinical term. So most songs would talk about like jerking off or whatever, but sure. to specifically use the word like masturbate is not common. Yeah. It has like a weird sort of power in its, in the, in the rarity of its usage. Um, which I think, it, I think it's interesting. I don't really appreciate like him, like, uh, shaming this kid for like not going to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> which is sort of what we're, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, like a proto incel kind of thing. Almost. It's hard to say. Yeah. But he's like a Chad, I guess, <laughs> shaming this incel. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel is Chad. <laughs> he's being alpha male. He's, he's a like, chatty. you little cuck. Yep. <laughs> go go get your your drugs from Captain Jack, you little beta cuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. He picks his nose in verse four. He does. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a mean song. It is a little mean. Um but it's not glorifying this like drug usage and despair. And and it I mean it seems like it has some empathy. Um like he, he seems to draw some of the wrong conclusions, but he at least has like some empathy with this person and yeah it's, it's not completely just like nasty towards this guy uh verse mm. six is is pretty pretty powerful so you got everything ah but nothing's cool they just found your father in the swimming pool and you guess you won't be going back to school anymore yeah the kind yeah, of totally understatement of that of just like this suburban malaise just like rotting away at this family and he doesn't even specifically say the father's dead it's just the way he he phrased it. They just found your father in the swimming pool. It's like, yes. you definitely know he means they found him face down in the swimming pool, dead from something. Um, and then he follows that up with, and you guess you won't be going back to school anymore. Yeah. As if that were the main important thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if this song was a, even half as long, if not shorter, um, and had that verse in it and some of these other ones that are like, I don't know, less just sort of generically mean and judgmental. I think it, this would be a much better song. Yeah. Verse seven and eight are not good. Yeah. Verse seven. Like when you said, when you said ver- the sentence verse six is powerful, I was like, a verse six could never be powerful. That's too <laughs> That's much. Too song. many verses. <laughs> it is too many verses, but uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah. But but verse seven, it just gets like mean. So you play your albums and you smoke your pot and you meet your girlfriend in the parking lot, but you're still aching for the things you haven't got. What went wrong? I mean, I guess that's yeah. not that mean. He could have been meaner. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's not a bad album. Definitely some like glimmers of promise here um, among some stuff that's like not that interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to future albums, seeing what else Billy Joel has to say. Mm hmm what kind of meanness, what kind of empathy we're going to get. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see if we can find some things that sort of subvert boomer culture. Yeah. That would be challenging in there. Mm-hmm. It's like Ooh. reading Jesus quotes to Christians <laughs> who are conservative, you know, mm-hmm. and be like, well, that's some like communist bullshit. He's like, well, Jesus said it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, I would like to read some of those things from Billy Joel. I don't know if we're going to get it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So far, it's booming pretty hard. The next one has two instrumentals on it. One of them is called Root Beer Rag. Ooh, interesting. It also does not have very good reviews. It's called Street Life Serenade. <laughs> mm. 
Hmm. I don't know about this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should call it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might get yeah. worse before it gets better. Well, let's sign off. I got to go yeah. make dinner for my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be with you next week with Street Life Serenade, unless we decide to call it off. In the meantime, <laughs> you can visit us online at boxit.website. Email us at email at boxit. or email at boxit.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Uh, you can f- join our Discord. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, write us a review on iTunes if you don't mind. That would be very nice for us. Uh, if you want to help us continue making the show, you can go to support at box dot box at dot website to go to our Patreon. Kick us a few bucks and you'll get access to our weekly mini show in addition to some other bonus content. Uh, our bonus, our, our weekly mini show is called What's in the Box Weekly. And today we, or this week, we talked about the Adventure Zone as a springboard into talking about kind of fandom and cancel culture and some of the just like coming to grips with some of the ways that people interact online um yeah yeah. it was was a good good chat sometimes it's very lightweight conversations sometimes it gets super heavy and heavier than we would get on the main feed and kind of everywhere in between so yeah it's fun uh loosey goosey um you can also listen to cameron's other podcast called get up in the cool which is about and is uh acoustic musics mostly old time american fiddle and banjo music yes uh got a really great episode coming out tomorrow um on the 17th um uh with jake blunt to talk about his new album spider tales Ah, which everyone should go everyone should go buy and then listen to on spotify even though you own it (laughs) um yep it's a very, very good album, uh, but also I want to draw attention to a, a very special event that's happening on June 27th um, and 28th, which is uh, the the Bluegrass Pride, uh, or it's called Porch Pride, a Bluegrass Pride Quarantine Festival. Mm. <laughs> uh, Bluegrass Pride is, it started as just like a, I think a float on, uh, at the San Francisco Pride mm-hmm. Parade. Um, and it's sort of expanded. And now it's a, I think it's a legitimate organization now um, that is trying to um, uh, highlight uh, queer voices in traditional American music, specifically bluegrass and also old time and uh yeah i you you should see me on uh june 27th uh at 3 p.m pacific time specifically okay and uh, east coast time yes and then the in the ones in the middle and their respective times um i will be doing just a a real short just 30 minute set uh but i will be uh yeah playing some some queer banjo music um specifically querying some uh some traditional music and songs uh on the banjo um i'll be playing my new like uh bassy tackhead banjo uh, a, a little bit as well it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time um and uh yeah just being queer and playing banjo uh which is a great combination and people should do it more often <laughs> and hear it more often uh and then there's also some like pretty pretty incredible uh, uh queer and ally acts that uh, uh that day and the next day so uh everyone should go check that out i'll put a link for it yeah it's it's on it's on the bluegrass pride website and on their youtube and on their facebook page so it'll be broadcasting the whole day and it's just donation based um they they gave us a guarantee 
So like watch it regardless of whether you can give money, but if you can give money, then they're just going to split that between the artists. Um, probably we'll give a little bit more to the headlining acts as they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, some of that will find its way to me, which would be nice too. Hell yeah. There's so many, so many good people performing. Uh, oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Jake Blunt and the Vox Hunters together. Rachel, a lot, Eddie. A lot of get up in the cool alums. Yeah. Nick Garris. Allison DeGroot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a bunch of people I've... Uh, Tatiana Hargraves. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Nathan Hunt, and I thought you smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've been Cameron DeWitt, and uh, I'm going to go eat some sweet, hot, sticky banjo rolls. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Any the who. Who are you? Who, 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 who? Shamona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's he, he. <laughs> it's different. Michael Jackson? It's to- totally different. <laughs>